Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Well, we've made it to December, haven't we? Thank the gods for that. The weather here continues to cool down, and it's dark, like, all the time now. Um, You know what? In fact, speaking of darkness, the new moon is this Saturday, December 4th, and then we have a solar eclipse the same day. So, you know, what a wonderful time to release things that no longer serve us and to also find new solutions for problems that have maybe been troubling us for a while. You know, this marks a great time to start fresh and maybe make some amazing progress. You know, don't be afraid of this eclipse energy. Don't ever be, don't ever be afraid of any eclipse, actually. Just lean into it and let its energy take you where you want to go. Okay, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. So what's going on? We've got the place decorated for Yule. And can I just take a moment to remark on how Yule is like the time of year that almost everyone is on the same page in terms of decorating. You know, we've got these beautifully decorated trees, the red and green, all these candles and the twinkling lights, you know, boughs of holly and mistletoe, poinsettias. Like this is all classically Yule. And I absolutely adore it. Anyway, we're going to talk about Yule a whole lot more in depth next week. And to be honest with you, I probably won't shut up about it for the rest of the episodes this entire month. But I just have to mention how much I'm loving it. And I also am loving all the kind words and ratings and reviews that some folks have been leaving for this podcast. Um, Anytime that I get a notification that someone has dropped a message or left a rating or a review for this show. It's like my birthday. I really appreciate it. And it really, you know, it helps give this show a little boost in exposure because ratings and reviews are how the algorithms decide which podcasts to bump up in the results when people search for things like witchcraft podcasts. You can re-rate, you can rate and review this show on Anchor or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even on Facebook. So, you know, you're helping me when you do it, and you're also helping other witches who are looking for a community like this, and our community here is so lovely, so thank you again. And finally, before I go further, I have to thank Candace and Jeanette for actually becoming supporters of this show. There's apparently some way to go on Anchor and, like, actually become a show supporter where you can donate, like, a dollar a month or whatever you like. And I, honest to God, screamed when I got those notifications. Um, I didn't start this podcast to make money, and I actually don't, (laughs) to be honest. But I would like this show to eventually at least just pay for a decent microphone. So thank you very much, ladies, again, for being so wonderful. And I've loved communicating with you. You guys are really, really lovely people. But this week, we are here to talk about divination. Specifically, we are going to get into different methods of divination and how they work and how we can use these methods to set ourselves up for the best outcomes in our lives. So all that divination is really is the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or of the unknown by supernatural means. And whether that means tarot and oracle cards or runes, pendulums, Ouija boards, scrying, astrology, reading tea leaves, um, reading palms, numerology, um, and just straight up like reading omens um, in the events and the symbols that you see in your own life. And it doesn't even end there. Um, Now, obviously, we're not going to be able to do a deep dive 
into each and every method of divination in this episode. Um, and frankly, I'm not an expert on all of these methods, but we will touch on them all and then we will go in depth in at least a few of them. So my personal favorite method of divination is tarot. Um, and I know not every witch uses tarot cards, but a lot of us do. Um, and I think that most of us are at least aware of tarot if we're not familiar with it. Um, now, there are almost as many different kinds of tarot decks as there are different kinds of witches. So it's easy these days to find a deck that speaks to you um, and to debunk a common misconception that I've mentioned before, um, this false idea that you're not supposed to buy your own tarot cards. It's just an old witch's tale that started somewhere along the way. Uh, and it says, basically, you're supposed to wait for somebody else to buy tarot cards for you. And this is pseudo-mysticism bullshit. You absolutely do not have to wait for somebody else to buy you a tarot deck. Um, and in fact, I much prefer to buy my own tarot decks anyway, because then I can be assured that it's a deck that I like and that resonates with me. So just go to your local occult shop if you have one and handle the decks or if not, didn't go online and look at the hundreds, if not thousands of tarot decks that come in all shapes and sizes and price points and artistic mediums and find yourself a deck that feels good in your hands and that you're intuitively able to connect with. Now, on the other hand, if somebody does buy tarot cards for you, well, that's a lovely gesture, but it is unnecessary for the purposes of just being able to use them effectively. It doesn't matter who buys the cards. And here's a fun fact. If, for whatever reason, you're in a position where you want to do tarot, but you're unable to, um, you know, maybe you're a younger witch living at home and, like, your family or your partner disapproves of it, or even just if you're unable to afford them, or if you're not quite ready to make the commitment of buying them, you can 100% use a regular deck of cards. There won't be any major arcana cards in the deck, but the suits of a regular deck of cards correspond to the suits in a tarot deck, and you can use them to do some really great readings. There are differences now of opinion about which card suit equates to which tarot suit, but the general consensus is that the hearts are represented by the cups in tarot, and the diamonds are represented by the wands, the spades are swords, and the clubs are pentacles. Um, I do personally swap those around a little bit when I read playing cards, but again, there is really not one absolute correct opinion about which suit is what. That's really up to the individual witch to decide how to read them. Um, and another option to physical tarot cards, if that's a barrier for you, is a tarot app. There are several, um, and many of them are totally free, and they can be very discreet. Now, I personally like tarot a lot. I pull a card every single day for myself because I feel like it helps me to be just ready for whatever may pop up, or at least, you know, I'll be able to keep my eyes open for some kind of an opportunity that may present itself. Um, or, you know, if I like pull the King of Cups reversed, I'll just try to stay aware that, you know, emotions may be running high that day. And so I'll just in turn make more of an effort to be understanding and not like jump headfirst into an unnecessary argument or whatever. Um, if there's a larger issue going on in my life or if I feel like I'm at a crossroads and maybe there's some kind of decision coming up, I'll do a larger spread to help tease out the pros and cons of a situation or to just give me a more objective view of a situation. The thing about tarot cards is that they're there to like give you the straight shit. 
tarot cards are not there to coddle you and tell you what you want to hear. Um, I, I, I think I will do a full episode on tarot cards coming up in the future because I just have so many thoughts about tarot as a tool. And there are a lot of different opinions and they all deserve a chance to be heard. But tarot as a tool for a witch who's being introspective and just trying to figure out more about yourself and what's going on around you in your life, it just can't be beat, in my opinion. Again, my opinion is just my opinion. Um, Oracle cards are similar to tarot in that they will have some sort of themed artwork. Um, And again, there are hundreds upon hundreds of different decks. They're not the same as tarot, though. Tarot decks almost always have 78 cards with minor and major arcana, and the meanings of each card will be similar, if not identical, across different decks. But oracle cards, on the other hand, have no set rules about what kind of cards are going to be in the deck or what each card may mean. Um, For example, I have a botanical oracle deck, and um, each plant has a a message that it conveys. And I have an animal oracle deck where each animal brings a different lesson, but there is no crossover whatsoever in the messaging between those two decks. They are completely unrelated. Oracle decks are more of a tool for like self-reflection, and they will tend to offer the reader some aspect of their lives or their outlook to meditate on. Oracle decks are also generally a little more straightforward and easy to read, and they're usually a little bit more gentle in the way that they convey a message. If you're doing a love reading with tarot and you pull, like, the Three of Hearts and the Seven of Swords, tarot is basically telling you that this person is going to rip your heart out and pour salt on the wound. But, you know, an oracle deck is going to be more like, oh, my darling, this isn't the one for you. You know, the messaging just tends to be a little bit more focused on positivity and aspiration and self-care and reflection. And oracle cards can be a great tool to use alongside tarot, too, especially if you're having difficulty trying to figure out the meaning of a tarot spread. Sometimes it can be helpful to pull an oracle card and shine a little more light on what tarot may be trying to tell you. Um, And I do um, an oracle spread every Monday just on my Instagram for for people who want to check that out um okay runes runes are so cool um they're most commonly made of stone but they can also be made of crystal bone uh wood as well um and you can make your own really easily and it frankly at no cost to you by simply finding some small stones that are similar in size and you can either draw or carve symbols onto them runes are usually uh, the Elder Futhark variety, and you can Google to see what that looks like and what the runes mean, but you can also add your own designs as well, and the, you know those individualized, personalized runes can have more personal meaning to you. And the way that runes work, it's a lot like any other divination method. You just sort of meditate on a question or a situation until you feel like your focus is very clear, and then you cast your stones. Some folks like to look at the way the runes are grouped. So, for example, if you're trying to start a family and the rune representing fertility is next to or touching the rune which denotes delays, maybe you might expect some difficulties in becoming pregnant or at least some delays in that endeavor. Um, Other ways to interpret the meanings um, is that maybe the runes in the center of the cast are more pressing issues that demand your attention now while the runes that are on the edges of the grouping are less pressing. 
This is also a common way to read tea leaves, by the way. Um, now, runes that are flipped upside down are interpreted to mean that they're not important at the moment, or they can be interpreted to mean that instead of a literal or physical interpretation, it's more of a spiritual interpretation. Like if you cast the wealth rune upside down, perhaps you're feeling spiritually depleted. Um, other readers interpret these upside down runes to mean that whatever the issue is, it's not current, but it might pop up later on. So you want to watch out for it. Now, the point is when you start reading runes, you will most likely stick closely to what you see online or in your rune guidebook. If your set happens to come with one. But as you become more experienced and you become more comfortable with your runes, you're going to start relying more on your own intuition and understanding. And frankly, that's the whole theme of divination, no matter what kind of divination that you use. Each of our minds and spirits is very different, and we're all going to read omens differently. This is very normal, and it's to be expected. But most importantly, this is the way it's supposed to be. There is no one-size-fits-all way to practice divination or any other form of witchcraft. Uh, next, I wanted to talk about pendulums. Pendulums are a fun one, um, and they can easily be combined with other forms of divination. A pendulum is just some kind of an object that's suspended on a string or a ribbon or a chain. Pendulums can be made of crystal or metal. You could use a ring or a pendant on a necklace chain. Um, you could use an acorn. You can use a hagstone. Basically anything you like, anything that is meaningful to you. And you just have to get in touch with your pendulum and figure out how it wants to communicate with you. So for yes or no questions, for example, you can simply ask the pendulum a question to which you already know the answer. So I might ask my pendulum, am I 25 years old? My personal pendulum is going to swing from left to right. And that is how my pendulum tells me, no, bitch, you are not 25. And then if I ask my pendulum, is my dog's name John? My pendulum is going to swing forward and backward, which is how my pendulum indicates yes. Your results may be different, but this is why you have to ask your pendulum questions like this so that you'll know what it's indicating and the way that it communicates. You can also buy or make a pendulum board or a pendulum cloth. Google some pictures to get a better sense of what I'm trying to describe here, but you can get a cloth or a board with areas that will indicate yes, no, or maybe. Um, but I, I find that you don't really need this. If you're in good communication with your pendulum, you'll be able to understand those simple answers really easily. But there are pendulum boards that have the alphabet on them so that you can get more detailed answers. Um, and that does take a lot longer because the pendulum has to spell everything out by swinging towards the letter that it wants to indicate. But, you know, sometimes, hell, that might be what you need. Um, you can also use a pendulum in combination with tarot cards, as I mentioned. Um, for this, you'll fan all of your tarot cards out upside down so that you don't unintentionally interfere with your results and then focus on your question. Steady your pendulum and slowly hover it across the spread. Um, and once the pendulum is over the card that answers your question, your pendulum will start to swing or spin or somehow get your attention and then you'll pull that card and get your answer. You can also do this with runes. Um, you, can, you can really combine pendulums with a lot. And I, I really love pendulums as a form of divination. I think they're a lot of fun. Now, scrying is a little more arcane as a divination method. And it's a lot more open to individual interpretation. 
Um, now, there are a lot of different ways to scry. You can use smoke or fire, running water. Um, you can gaze into a dark mirror, which is a very popular method with witches. And of course, we can't talk about scrying without mentioning crystal gazing. So the basic method, though, is just to find a quiet place to work with whichever media you plan to use for your scrying session and then center yourself. It's kind of like what you do no matter what. If you're divining, get a little time for yourself, get a little quiet area, center yourself, focus on your issue at hand. And then once your mind is quiet, you can gaze deeply into the flame or the smoke or water or what have you and just let your mind receive whatever messages may come to you. Now, if you're using a mirror or a crystal ball, I recommend doing your scrying in a dark room by the light of a candle just to get better results. And if you like, you can keep a pen and paper nearby so that you can write down your impressions. But if you find that that's too distracting or if it takes you out of the moment, you can just wait until you're done with your session and write things down afterward. Now, all kinds of images and words, phrases, scenarios, memories, all kinds of things like that might come to you while you're scrying because it's a lot like meditation. And you may find that your mind wanders. And if that happens, don't get frustrated. Just acknowledge those thoughts and let them go. If you find an especially intrusive thought that keeps coming to your mind or, uh, well, what happens to me a lot is like something will come to mind that I need to remember to do. And my mind won't stop dredging it up. And that's, that is why I keep a pen and paper nearby. I just make a note, write down what it is I need to think of later, and then I go back to scrying. Don't make judgments about those intrusive thoughts. Don't get frustrated. Just allow them to come and then allow them to go. Now, once you feel like your session has come to an end, spend some time with your notes and see what you can make of the information that may have come through. Now, often you'll feel like none of it makes any sense, but that's okay. Just look at the information anyway. And maybe within a few days or a week, you might find that a lot of those images that presented themselves to you start to make sense in one way or another. When those affirmations come through, make a note of that too, because it's nice to be able to go back to those old readings and see what kind of predictions you were able to make. Palm reading and tea leaf reading or tassiomancy. Um, these are two areas that I've only ever really dabbled in. Uh, well, I've, I've more than dabbled, but I still don't really feel super comfortable speaking with any kind of authority there. But what I like about these is that they don't require any special equipment and they're inexpensive to learn. All they really cost you is time and effort. But when you're learning something new that you find interesting, the fun is in the effort of learning. <laughs> um, Another thing I like about these methods is that they're really open to your own personal understanding and interpretation. Once you've learned the basics of these methods, you can really take it from there and sort of create your own codes and meanings for what you see. And I don't really have a, recommend, a recommendation for palm readings, but I do have a good Tassiomancy book that I like. Uh, it's called Reading the Leaves, An Intuitive Guide to the Ancient Art and Modern Magic of Tea Leaf Divination by Leanne Marama and Sandra Mariah Wright. So that's a good book. Check it out if you're interested um, in Tassiomancy or tea leaf reading. I, I thought it was cool, and I think it's a lot of fun. Now, astrology and numerology 
are two really serious disciplines, and they're not going to get a very good summary from the likes of me in a 20-minute podcast. All I can really say about them um, is that there are a lot of resources to get you started uh, in the way of books, videos, websites, and so on. And if those are methods that pique your interests, you can really divine a lot of valuable information this way. Now, once again, I don't really have a favorite book on numerology, so if you do have one, please drop a recommendation for other listeners, and for me as well. I always like to learn more. But my personal favorite book on the subject of astrology, if I had to pick only one, is called The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need by Joanna Martine Woolfolk. Now, obviously, you're going to need more than one book or resource to, resource to get a real good handle on a topic that's as vast as astrology, but as far as giving you a damn good basis of information for doing readings, at least for yourself and your family and friends, this book will make a lot of the muddy waters clear. Um, I will include the book info, all these books, um, in the show notes, just in case you want to buy or check these books out at the library. And I really hope that I've maybe piqued your interest in a new divination method that maybe you hadn't considered before, or maybe that you've been interested in but kind of felt a little overwhelmed by. The thing about divination is just to do it. Even the act of trying to divine information will begin to open up your abilities, and th those intuitive feelings will start to present themselves even when you're not necessarily using a divination method. And you're going to start building your confidence in your abilities and really step into your destiny as an all-powerful, all-knowing, just badass. Okay, so I want to change gears really quickly and do a listener question that I couldn't get to last week. Now, if this is the first time you're listening or if you're listening to these out of order, um, last month I did a Q&A episode that was so much fun, but I ran out of time and I had to save some of the questions for later. So this question is from Heaven Bennett. Um, and, you know, and she actually um, has her own pod podcast uh, where she reads excerpts from stories and actually reads a lot of her own stories. It's called Soul Path Stories, if you're interested in high fantasy in the Tolkien tradition or even like Dungeons and Dragons style world building, you may enjoy it. Um, anyway, her question is this. Have you ever created a guided meditation? Do you have any tips or resources for someone trying to create their own guided meditations for others? Thank you for being a amazing, blessed be. Well, heaven, I have written and recorded a few guided meditations, but I have not published them. I'm not really waiting for anything, I guess. I just haven't got around to it. Uh, I do plan to do an episode about meditation. It's on my calendar. I just got so many other topics ahead of that one. But to your question about resources or tips, I would say just listen to a lot of guided meditations and decide what you like and what you don't like or what works for you, what doesn't work, and what you would do differently. And it's the same thing you'll do when you create anything new. you got to find out what's out there and figure out what you would do differently. What are you going to bring to the table that's unique? This very podcast came about because I was listening to a lot of witchcraft podcasts, and I mean a lot of them. And some I loved and still listen to regularly, and some just didn't quite hit the mark with me, which is not a criticism of those podcasts, but... I was just looking for something a little different to what I was finding, and it occurred to me that I might not be the only one who felt this way. So, take that spirit with you in this and in every other endeavor. Make the guided meditations that you would want to listen to. Not everyone who listens to your guided meditations is going to like it, and that's okay. If we all vibed with the same style of meditations, there would only need to be one. So, my advice, and take this only for what it's worth, or don't take it at all. 
is to find out what you think is missing and fill that void. So thank you for that question, Heaven. And thank you all for listening this week. If there's a method of divination that you like to use that I didn't get to today, or if you have a question that you'd like to ask, please DM, DM me on Instagram or Facebook at, at middleagedwitch or email me at eli at middleagedwitch.com because I love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, my name is Eli, and this has been the Middle Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.